Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Our guest today is the President and Chief Product Officer of Kajabi, Sean Kim. Kajabi is the leading platform for knowledge entrepreneurs and creators. Previously, Sean was the head of product at TikTok, where he set the strategic direction and led teams responsible for developing and growing the company's product. Prior to TikTok, Sean was the global head of product at Amazon Prime, where he played an instrumental role in driving customer retention for Prime membership. Sean, welcome to the Second Command podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Um, there was someone who used to be at Amazon Prime, Anna. Fairly, she was like the the head of Amazon Prime at one time. Do you know who that might have been? She ended up going over to Bulletproof. Yeah, I do know her. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she was one of the very early guests on the podcast a bunch of years ago. I can't grab her name right now, but she was. I helped recruit her away from Amazon to go to work for Bulletproof Coffee. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I was coaching. <laughs> I was coaching Dave Asprey, uh, who was the founder of Bulletproof, and I I helped pry her away. I can't. What the hell was her name? Anna. I can't remember her last name. She's out of Seattle. Yeah, and then like I know like uh, another manager of mine a while back also went to Bulletproof as well. Okay, uh, Jeff Hall. Yeah. <laughs> so we, they poached a couple of people then. Yeah, it's, that's right. And you went a different direction. So tell me about that as a you know part of your your career and going from um, from Amazon. What was that like? What kind of skills did you pull from there? And then we'll go into a little bit about TikTok. And then I really want to focus around what you're doing with Kajabi. So talk about Amazon. Uh, Amazon was uh, probably one, you know one of the best companies I've ever worked for in the past. Um, you know, I really learned what it meant to be customer obsessed and ensuring that customers were first and foremost the most important reason why you make any decisions in business. And um, you know, throughout that experience, I've been able to see how a company can really make a difference. And, and, the, and have positive impact on customers' lives. And, you know, it wasn't like the revenue was not part of this discussion at the beginning. It's always like, hey, what's the best way to ensure you're providing the most amazing customer experience and then work backwards from there? Uh, so that, that's a, that was very different thinking prior to joining Amazon. <laughs> like that was not how any of the companies I've worked at, uh, you know, approached business. Um, so it was, it was, it was just a really an amazing experience. One of the reasons why I got, um, really excited about joining Amazon was, um, like way back in the day when they launched the Fire tablet, I remember seeing a commercial about it and I saw a customer clicking a button and having the chat agent appear on the screen to then onboard the customer, walk through how to use the product and answer any questions. And I thought to myself, like, wow, like, you know, um, the companies that I was at before would never launch that. That's just not scalable, right? That's, I mean, it's an amazing experience, but that's just not scalable, right? So, so that was like kind of a yeah, yeah. moment when I realized this is an amazing company that I'd want to work for. Um, and since then, I, you know, it was, it was, uh, I, I had an amazing time. I learned a lot about, you know, how to run a subscription business, how to go to market with devices, uh, very metrics driven approach. Um, and, uh, you know, working with some of the best leaders in the world. Um, so it was, it was just an overall amazing experience. 
And, and why did you leave there for TikTok? And, um, you know, that must have been a massive shift in terms of the, the kind of company you were, you were in and moving over to. And by the way, it's Anna Collins that was at Bulletproof that was Amazon Prime. Um, so wh- why would you have left Amazon to go to, and uh, probably more of a startup at TikTok, right? Or certainly early stage company. You know, uh, built such great trust with my leadership and, you know, got promoted and so on. And, um, so, it, so it wasn't, Something any uh, proactive. Uh, someone had reached out from TikTok and said, "Hey, we have this really amazing opportunity." Um, and uh, it was actually initially for a head of marketing role. And I was like, "Well, I'm not in marketing. I don't even know what TikTok is." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I downloaded the app, opened <laughs> it, and started playing with it. And I was like, "That's how a bunch of kids dancing and lip syncing." I thought, "Like, why the hell would I join this company?" <laughs> I just, I did not understand the utility or value behind it. Well, what are you solving, right? So that, that's kind of like how I was trained to think being an Amazon, right. it's like some big meaty customer problem. I just didn't understand it. Um, so I actually called them back and I said, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is the right company for me. Um, and then a few days later, the founder, Alex Zhu called me and was like, hey, let's talk about this opportunity. Um, what, what do you, you know, what, what do you like, dislike? And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not, I'm not in marketing. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in product. And, and he's like, well, we can make it happen. And so let's just come, come to LA, have a conversation with me. So I flew down, met with him. Um, and he said, Sean, like the content, yeah, it sucks. You know, well, you know, this is something that we're going to work on. Um, <clears throat> but we have figured out something that no other company has figured figured out yet, or they're not very good at it, which is discovery. Uh, and that was the magic word for me. It's like discovery. Um, he's like, yeah, so we, we got discovery down, which means that we can help people discover where to travel, what to eat, what books to read, what movies to watch, uh, what's the latest fashion trend. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And, and that's when I got really excited about it. I was like, oh, wow. I mean, if you can, you know, um, if you figure that out, there's a lot of different ways we can be approached to this. Uh, and then he also mentioned like short form video is the way people will consume information in the future. It's guaranteed. Uh, so, so, so when yeah. I heard that, I was like, Hey, this is super exciting. And then of course, the natural question I came up with is like, Hey, so are you going to launch e-commerce? And he was like, check this out. And he opens this, <laughs> uh, the, uh, a version of the app. Like this was by the way, three years ago that had e-commerce enabled already. And there was a, someone in the video that was um, you know, just walking and you could click on her uh, clothes and immediately show that, you know, show that product and be able to purchase it right there on the spot. And I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. <laughs> so uh, so that, that got me really, really yeah. excited. And, and, and like now I felt like, well then, place to travel, what to eat, I mean, what movies to watch, like you enable that last mile experience within that app, you, you enable e-commerce for anything. So. And how many people were at TikTok when you joined and what was that culture shift like moving from an Amazon to, um, to there then? Yeah. I mean, so, so I'm trying to think when, when I joined, I think maybe at the LA office or maybe a, uh, over a hundred. Not not a lot. Um, that's that's about the same size as we're like you know in the Amazon 
wear bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just completely, completely different culture. Completely different culture. Very startup. I mean, we, you know, I remember walking in to the office. By the way, this was at this uh, uh, rental office called Spaces, and um, walked in and uh, and. I asked like, hey, where do I sit? And <laughs> I remember the IT guy just looking around and just like clearing some uh, some computers from this like desk area and said, just sit here. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, all right. I'm definitely at a startup, right? So so they didn't have anything so from just shut up. I just kind of like sat down and then um, then he brought me a monitor and, and so on. So like, wow, this is super startup, uh, you know, uh, experience. Um, but I loved it. It was, it was like this one massive room with like, everybody and I, I could see what everyone you know everybody at, at the same time and so a lot of collaboration and, and a lot of excitement at the company uh cult, culture wise yeah i mean like uh it was super young you know everyone was super scrappy like working late obviously we had to work with our counterparts in china as well uh so it was uh you know at, at the time like it was not a well-known company at all right and <clears throat> and um yeah so at that time like you know, you know it was, uh, you know, we, were, we were essentially building the culture, trying to figure out how to operate. And one of the things I, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that I brought from Amazon was the doc writing culture. That was not a thing at TikTok. Was the which, was the what culture? Uh, doc writing. So writing, writing documents yeah. for product strategy and, you know, business strategy overall. And because it was previously just all PowerPoint, I was saying, no, nah, we're going to do docs going forward. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, brought that to the company there and then uh, continue to push that for like everything like uh, for across different teams as well as at, at you know bike dance so that's like now accepted way of uh, doing business there so walk us through what that means what's what is the doc writing culture is it kind of like submit a one pager with what you're going to be doing and why like the who what, when, why and how or what is it yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on the purpose of the doc, but, uh, you know, product strategy, for instance, will have, uh, what is the customer problem you're trying to solve for? How big of a problem is it? You know, uh, how many people have this problem, for instance? Um, and then we'll have a, uh, you know, solution in the doc along with what are the risks that come with that solution? What's the cost to the business? Uh, what is the MVP approach phase? To, approach phase one, two, three timeline for that. What are some asks from the leadership team? Um, so it goes into detail mm. that, that helps us, you know, ensure that we're making the best decision uh, about, you know, an investment we're going to make. It's interesting. I, I, I've created something similar called the decision filter, where I look at the, the cost of inaction and the cost, like what's the benefit of doing it? What's the ROI against our people, time and money? But I need to go in and take a look at the Amazon uh, doc process a little deeper. I, sound, I like mm -hmm. it. Was there any push back against that change of culture when you were bringing something in? And how did you kind of socialize that when you were bringing that, that system into TikTok? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think there's, there's some pushback from certain people, but uh, generally it was like widely adopted, accepted. I think um, founder of Bike Dance, you mean, really had a, a lot of... Um, I guess I had a fascination for, for Amazon. Like he, he talked about Amazon all the time and said, look how successful they've been. They're, they were there. Like this, look how they set up their leadership principles, uh, you know, and um, really admired that company. So, so he, you know, would 
actually when I met with them, he would ask about Amazon, say how long you were there, how do they operate, and so on. Um, and so when I <clears throat> brought the doc culture and I wrote some pointers down in terms of how a doc should be structured, what should you include this text, you know, how, how you should write, um, he, I remember he actually took that, shared it across the company. That makes a lot of sense because they were already really bought into that whole culture. That wasn't something that they were going to be pushing back against. They were trying to bring more of that in. What kind of, um, what do you think some of the skills were that you pulled then out of TikTok that you carried with you over to Kajabi today then? Um, so TikTok, man, they, they, they work fast. They're fast. Um, <laughs> fast, fast, fast. You know, so it's, it's interesting, like uh, how, how fast they are. Um, so I think, uh, one of the things I, I brought in from there was definitely the sense of urgency and being able to, test something quickly, uh, fail fast, right. And then, and then, uh, and move on. Uh, and, and if there's something that works really well and just like immediately double down, just like, boom, like put the resources behind it, shift resources immediately, however you see fit to make sure that you double down on success. Um, when it comes to competitors, like, yeah, they, they, they really do a number on competitors. Like anytime they, Feel like there's a competitor that's uh getting any kind of traction they will they will make sure that uh that uh they are not getting traction uh so whether it's like whether it's like uh outspending them or you know uh building products around that you know whatever made that competitor successful building you know similar products right and they had the reach and the uh and the deep pockets to make sure that they were the uh the leader in any kind of space so it's interesting. You often hear people talking about the competitors to either obsess about them or to ignore them, right? You got the Andy, Andy Grove is like only the, only the paranoid survive. So it, it was TikTok, you know, kind of playing with both, both eyes. Were they looking at what the competitors were doing and then also really driving ahead with their own vision as well? Or were they, were they obsessed in one direction more than the other? Do you think? They did it both. They did both. Like every business review, there was a full section on everything our competitors were doing. Um, you know, we had information about their DAU retention. We had the latest product releases. Uh, we estimated their product release adoption. We had anecdotal data. Like, <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, how did you get this, all this, all this information? Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's a whole section dedicated. And then we go into our, our core metrics and what are we doing? Uh, but it was, uh, it was definitely for, you know, uh, something that we looked at very often. Okay, so then you flip over from TikTok over to Kajabi. How how many years has Kajabi been in business? Certainly a fantastic brand. Is it five years old, ten years old? Uh, little little over ten years old. Yeah. Okay, so a little over ten years old. It was more of a you know, is it a mature company? How many employees were there when you got there? Um, so when I got here, we had I think like you know, including employees in the Philippines, I think around like a little over three hundred. Okay. Um, it hasn't changed a lot. Like we haven't, you know, gone crazy and hired a ton of, a ton of people. We're very, uh, cautious and responsible about how we've been hiring. It also feels like the kind of platform that you've probably hit scale now that you don't need to add a whole bunch of people either. If you can stay cautious and stay focused, is that true? Yeah. I mean, like our, you know, I, I, I would say like everyone on our teams are stacked and working uh uh at max capacity uh, <laughs> which is the way it should be right um so so i think like uh there's always 
room uh, for for more work and room for people to get you know more people to come in. But um, I think we're we are very cautious about how we hire. And we want to make sure that you know the, the current person is like completely stuck before we hire the next person, and then make sure that the next person has like you know lots of work ahead of, ahead of them. So. All right. So you're the first guest in about 245 guests that I've had on this podcast that has mentioned that in terms of, of stacking and people working at max capacity. And I, I've always believed that as well, that it's kind of like, you know, the athlete that finishes the whatever race that they're in or event that they're in, there's, they always have more fuel in the tank at the end of the race, right? You, re- you rarely see the marathoner collapse at the finish line and mm. fucking get hauled off the hospital. Um, and, and win at the same time. So how do you know if people are operating at that max capacity and, and how do you get people to wrap their heads around the fact that we need to get more done with less people faster, right? We need to be mm. more efficient. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, not not everyone would agree with me, but uh, <laughs> so like usually um, my team will tell me directly and be like, "Hey, like I'm busy." <laughs> like, and I can see from like their roadmap and um, and uh, you know all, all the initiatives that, are, that we have going on and. And uh, we're very transparent about all the work that is on a plate for all engineers and all the PMs. And and just having been a PM, I know what it takes to have like multiple complex initiatives going on, uh, working with like you know hundreds hundreds of engineers. So you know when someone says they're busy. We have this roadmap feeling that they say, "Yeah, you're, you're pretty busy," <laughs> and say like, "I need." To be able to have another PM, for instance, so that I can move faster, and we do the estimation and say, okay, if you have another PM, you can do, you know, you can you can uh, uh, get this done in half the time, whatever it might be, or launch this faster, or whatever it might. Be. So, so I think that's where we do that calculation. And say, okay, let's get another headshot. And I like that you do go back to the roadmap. So you're looking at exactly what's on their plate specifically, what they're working on over the next how long? Month, three months, week, month? Uh, so, so we. We, we can project out what we want to build for the rest of the year, right? So we can see like all of 2023. Of course, it will, you know, it won't be exactly what we expected. Like some things won't work with we'll the pivot quickly. Some things will work really well. We double down. Uh, but we have a, you know, we have a pretty robust, uh, you know, uh, planning process where we think through what are the core meaty customer problems we can solve for. Um, what takes the most time for customers? Where's the most friction? What helps customers, you know, become more successful, reach their audience? You know, so we ask these questions for ourselves and then um, come up with these product strategies. And we typically, you know, you typically the, the, the meatier the problem, the more uh, complex the, the solution <laughs> usually uh, and, and requires a lot more engineers. Uh, so, yeah, so, so we have this really complex, uh, you know, really good, robust uh, you know, planning process and we'll be able to predict out the impact of the initiative. So we have like an impact estimation calculator based on like, you know, BIP improvement to like conversion, activation, retention, uh, and, um, and when you launch it to see, you know, uh, incremental customers will save or, or uh, retain or whatever it might be. Right. So we, we have the impact calculator. We have high level estimations from engineering. So then we can like, and we know exactly how many engineers are on the certain teams that so can estimate out like uh, what we can launch within a quarter, half year, rest of the year. And what's the impact calculator? Yeah. So there's a, that's something that I actually brought from Amazon as well. 
Uh, but the impact calculator can forecast essentially uh, how many customers we could acquire um, as well as you know convert and retain uh, based on historical data about some you know products we've launched in the past in a certain location for instance within the app where it might be and then we look at that and say hey this is how a certain product has improved retention and this is how many people we can influence um, so if we launched a product in the space we estimate that we can improve retention by one percent two percent if we launch it in january we can predict out how many people will save uh, so uh, we have different versions of this impact calculator uh, like in the, depending on you know where the product is launched, whether it's like in the front door or the back door, you know the subscription service. Cool. Um, so so you know we we work with the FinOps team, kind of build that out, model it out, and then it, we got pretty good at uh, predicting impact for for products. At Amazon, when we launched this thing, like man, we were able to predict down to like five bips in terms of. Uh, how many prime members we would save. Wow. We got really good at it. So you also mentioned something about the hiring more and being cautious with hiring people. It feels like when companies are smaller, kind of in the 50 to 100 range, and they really have their first management or leadership team that doesn't really have the skills yet, that their answer to every problem is hire more people. How do you how do you prevent that from happening? How do you grow their skills so they understand that it's not always hiring more people, that maybe it's, you know, becoming more optimized or automated or saying no more? How do you grow those people so that they understand that? It's a good question. Uh, I don't know if I have the, the best answer for you, but, you know, we throughout my career, like we've been really good at like, ruthlessly prioritizing initiatives so we don't uh, stretch ourselves thin. And we focused our efforts on the most impactful initiatives. So... You know, if someone says like, hey, I'm really busy, and I'm like, well, what's going on? What, what are you working on? And I say, I have these five initiatives. And I'm like, well, how important are these five? And the little stack rank and say, if you didn't do these two, what would happen? It's like, nothing. Not really. Well, then don't do it, right? Just focus on these three. Uh, and then of these three, which one is most impactful? Which one, you know, has the highest, highest impact with the lowest amount of uh, engineer, engineering uh, work required, right? So I think we kind of do this exercise and we prioritize the, the time and effort uh, put in to ensure that people are focusing on the most impactful things. And that is kind of when, when coaching meets alignment, right? When you're just trying to align their efforts with what their results are going to be or whatever your you know outputs you're looking for. So right. tell us a little bit about Kajabi. What, so Because I'm sure there's a few people out there that haven't heard, even though you've got a fairly big user base. and. Yeah, so Kajabi is the easiest way to build an online business around what you know. Um, so we are an all-in-one solution that helps creators market, publish, or sell their digital content, such as podcasts, video courses, uh, newsletters, uh, even coaching, like live stream coaching. Uh, we have around 60,000 customers, and they've made $4.1 billion to date uh, with an annual run rate of $1.7 billion. So um they're doing quite well <laughs> we have a few creators that have made over 100 million dollars uh so these are really big legit businesses um that you know we've been able to scale with um creators that joined in 2022 have earned 20 percent more than those that have earned you know joined in 2021 2020 so their you know, product and services have been getting better to make it easier to uh reach their audience 
retain them and uh, you know uh, and, and earn money. So, um, so yeah, the, the company has been uh, around for about a little over ten years and um, and, and did quite well. So, what was the um, what was the reason for you to join Kajabi? What was the reason for you to, to flip from TikTok over to um, over to Kajabi? And I, I want to focus more on not why you left TikTok, but what was it that got you to join Kajabi? When I was at TikTok, um, you know, uh, I, I definitely grew fond of the creators I work with. Um, grew a lot of uh, admiration for the the work that that goes into becoming a creator. I had to work with a lot of the creators at, at TikTok and. One of the things that kept coming up was not being able to monetize properly as a creator. And, you know, because when you become a creator in the beginning, it's more about social credit, like, oh, likes, comments, shares, and views, and followers, and follower account. But then you realize you're putting in like four hours a day, six hours a day, eight hours a day to creating content. And uh, and then you realize, well, I'm going to monetize my time. I can't, I can't be like just doing this for likes and <laughs> likes and followers. So we got a lot of feedback when I was at TikTok about helping them monetize. And we, we've tried a lot of different things there. We launched a billion dollar creator fund. We launched tipping on profile page, gifting videos, live stream, uh, mm. gifting, a lot of different things to try and help creators build a living, you know, earn like meaningful income. Uh, but I, I would say that it wasn't incredibly successful. You couldn't quit your day job and do it full time. Uh, you had to rely on brand deals and, um, you know, with brand deals are not always consistent and you can't really decide exactly what you want to create. And, you know, the recession, <laughs> those brand deals are kind of drying up. So, <laughs> so um, I talked to my team at the time and said, hey, what's, who, who's doing really well? Who's doing creator monetization really, really well? Let's look at some of the competitors. Let's look at some of the startups. We looked at competitors. They weren't doing it very well either. <laughs> yeah. So we looked at uh, startups and sure enough, Kajabi came up number one. Kajabi, like the numbers at the time were like, oh yeah, $3.5 billion uh, made to date 50 something thousand creators. I'm like, what? How is that even possible? <laughs> so so I, I started researching the business and um, you know, met with some of the people. And, um, and at the time I was thinking like, let's just, hey, I told my team, let's just go copy them. Just figure out what, what they're doing off of that to uh, TikTok creators and then we did the research and realized, yeah, I can't really, you can't really copy what they're offering. <laughs> you can't, uh, you know, no social media company is going to, you know, provide their creators all the email addresses and uh, be able to just like own that audience and take them off platform and, mm. uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, allow them to, you know, control their business end to end. Right. <laughs> so, uh, they want to keep them all on platform, you know, because of the ad revenue and so on. And so, uh, it's not something we easily copy. And, and but you know, talk, meeting with the Kajabi team, meeting with the the you know uh, leadership team, uh, I came to realize, wow, you guys have an amazing business. This is uh, such a you know awesome thing you're doing for for creators in, in terms of empowering them to build meaningful businesses. And um, coincidentally, I actually got a job offer <laughs> at the time, uh, and, and uh, I thought to myself, like, this is uh, a once-in-a-life opportunity uh, to really help people build uh, incredible businesses that and, and change people' lives. People's lives. I mean, I hear it time and time again: people like join Kajabi, build a business, and they have they have complete personal freedom. They're able to retire. They're able to pay for their kids' education, college. 
uh, their family, like like ch- literally changing people's lives. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, and that's why I thought like, okay, this is the time to, to join. So you said something that I'd never actually considered before, which is intriguing that you actually do give them the contact information for their clients, their course users or whatever. And they are able to take that and monetize it off the platform. And you don't care about it or worry about that, I guess. Is that because they're paying a monthly fee and you know that if they can monetize it elsewhere, that yours is lead gen for them, they're going to keep paying for? Or Kajabi offers, you know, we offer the, um, so that since it's an all in one solution, we offer our customers ability to build landing pages, funnels, nerd, uh, collect email, nurture them to becoming a paid customer. Uh, and for the courses or podcasts or coaching or whatever it might be. So these customers are s- signing up to be uh, part of the mailing list for our, our customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's essentially how their business runs. It's like, Hey, join my mailing list. Uh, so I can give you a preview of what type of content I offer. And then they eventually become, you know, become a paid member. Okay, so one of the things that seems to happen when companies get to be your size, especially when they're a SaaS business, is that there's almost like feature creep or past features even, like just other other markets you can get into, other services you can start bundling in, and then it becomes this big, huge, massive thing that <laughs> no one's using or just gets complicated, right? Like mm-hmm. Confusionsoft or, um, you know, so... Um, how do you as a company say no to the opportunities of what you could be bundling and building in? Like you're not creating, you're not, you're not a funnel software now. You're not trying mm-hmm. to, to compete with, um, you know, email marketing services. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. how do you say no to all the things you could be and stay yes and stay focused on the things that you are? Yeah. It's a really good question. You know, we, we talk to customers on a regular basis. We have, you know, I mean, I, I still talk to customers every single week. Um, I require my team to do that as well. Uh, we have a lot of survey data. Um, we also, of course, have our own internal metrics in terms of what's been most successful in terms of helping our customers become successful. Like what, what is the product that's, uh, most utilized and, uh, has the best chance of helping customers succeed? Uh, so we sh- shift a lot of our, uh, focus, uh, as well as resources to ensure that we're constantly improving that product and then thinking about how we can take this to the next level. So, Hey, what can we do to make sure that we're saving them even more time, um, removing even more friction points out of the way. So when we have this conversation with customers, we talk through what are the steps you're taking to actually build this business, uh, to offer this product. Uh, and they say, here's where I spend most of my time, X, Y, Z, and we say, okay, well, how do I make that 10 hours into like five minutes, right? So that's that's essentially how, where we're kind of shifting that time. And then we shift a lot of the resources and parties to that doesn't give us a lot of room to do other things. So I understand at the, at the leadership team level, how you say that and how you make those decisions to stay focused and to say no. How do you mm-hmm. say no to the employees who are coming to you with the ideas? And how do you say no to the customers that are coming to you ideas where it's like, it's, it's either a great idea, but no, or it's a great idea, but not now. Um, without killing their spirit and energy, you know, like it, it's kind of like Gen Y and Gen yeah. Z, they, they all want their ninth place participation ribbons. <laughs> um, I, I helped them come to the same conclusion on their own. Um, 
and that's through the you know the product strategy doc when we yeah. say okay well you know uh, let's do the work and figure out how much how impactful this thing's going to be and they'll go through and do the customer problem uh, validation and how people have a problem and impact calculator and realize like oh it's not very impactful <laughs> so they'll come to that same conclusion hopefully and, and come to me and say hey this isn't going to be very impactful uh, you know if i spend these eight hours a day working on this i'll have way more impact and then this is something that's a nice to have this other thing is a nice to have we can go later i like that and and is that tool the um again the tool that you were using at amazon or is that kind of impact calculator a tool that is from kajabi oh yeah so so i we first built that at amazon and then i brought it to tiktok and i also brought it to, to kajabi so it's just uh, and, and it just gets more accurate over time so the first version of this like we won't have enough data to feed it uh yeah but like over time we have we'll have launched a lot of products we'll have estimations in terms of what the impact would have been versus actuals and say oh okay now we know so so uh after we feed more data into this calculator it just gets more and more accurate over time okay so i understand why you joined them and how the fit is why do you think they came and picked you i mean they've got a good team they've got some good employees they've got product market fit already and now they're bringing this guy in from another company over top of all this existing team so why did they pick you and then how did you enter into the company without upsetting everybody that's there that didn't get your job or that now reports to you mm. yeah you're asking some tough tough questions <laughs> i mean other than, other than you're seeing other than you seem to be you seem to be a good guy good guy and you know you're easy yeah. to hang out with so that part seems easy but but what did you think? <laughs> yeah i think like they wanted to uh become a more product driven organization and of course like seeing how wildly successful tiktok has been uh and the products that, that that the company has launched um i think they wanted some of that magic to say hey what, what are you doing in tiktok to make it so successful how how was it so successful uh within such a short time right and so i think like that definitely did help for sure i think like also my background at amazon you know uh with Amazon Prime being a subscription business, that also was a big factor as well. Um, so I think like just my product experience was uh, was I think probably core to decision making in terms of uh, getting me in the door. Um, yeah, when I was you know when I came in, of course, not you know there's going to be people that are happy, people that are not happy. It's just there's no one, no situation where everyone's happy. Um, and uh, you know I just had to be very clear about. You know the the changes that are coming when it's going to come uh what's going to change and just try to over communicate that and uh, you can't please everyone there's gonna be some people just they just don't want to change mm -hmm. and, and uh you know and, and they'll leave on their own or or you have to get them out okay and then how about you and the ceo so you've got a was it a founding ceo or was it a hired gun ceo that you're then working with uh so so how was the cfo slash COO prior to the joining okay. and then he recently became the CEO okay and then they hired me as the president and CEO yeah okay so how did you how did you and um the two of you kind of divide and conquer and split up roles and responsibilities and then how do you um kind of keep those communication channels clean with everybody else in the organization as well as to who goes to who yeah yeah so so you know I I, I report to Han and we divvied up the responses based on what we're really good at. So, you know, I was, you know, really good at product and 
um, know how to oversee engineering and so on. So I had product engineering um, as well as design. And then um, we also put customer service on my team because uh, I think, you know, with customer service, we can really help influence some of the products we're going to launch because they have, they're very close to the customer. Uh, we get the voice of customer on a regular basis. We made a lot of adjustments in terms of uh, being more transparent and surfacing that, that voice of customer information to all the teams at Kajabi. So we have monthly meetings now to see what our customers are saying, uh, where are most of the tickets coming from, what are the issues, and then we can that can also help prioritize our roadmap. So that that adjustments ha has been made with our customer service team, product engineering team, and design team. Um, and then the people that report to him directly are like marketing, uh, uh, FinOps, accounting, legal, and so on. I like it. All right. How about your skill set? I mean, you're, you're clearly, you know, involved in an organization that's still scaling, still growing. It's got huge upside in front of it. Um, and, and I think every day, you know, in our jobs, it's kind of like, this is the biggest thing we've ever done. Right. So how are, where are you focusing on growing your skill sets right now as a leader? Um, you know, I, I, I definitely want to, uh, continue growing in terms of being inspirational. I think like I, I would say I'm, fairly demanding <laughs> in terms of like, ex, you know, uh, what expectations and, you know, driving urgency and timelines. But I think like, uh, you know, there's, there's also, you know, uh, being inspirational and, 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 and that's, an, that's an important quality to have. Uh, that's something I, I want to work on as well. Um, you know, I think also learning more about, you know, the, the legal components as well. I mean, I, I get fascinated about legal. It's so unique. Um, and usually me and legal have a love hate relationship. You know, like I, I love them. They hate me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just understanding all the nuances and what's possible. And, um, and it's just one of those areas that just like I, I can, I'm continually trying to learn more about. So. Well, cool. I like it. All right. I want to go back to the 21, 22 year old Sean Kim. You know, you're just getting started in your career. <laughs> What advice would you give yourself that maybe you know to be true today, but you wish you'd known back then? I, I would say, you know, focus on, so spend the time to figure out what you're passionate about. Mm. And because, you know, so I think you lose it over time. Like, like, hey, this job pays better, or this is like the hot new thing to work on. This is the hot new space or the new company. But uh, I, I think that if you, you know, if you just focus on what you're really passionate about, like, and not, not care about the money and all those things, right? Like, I think uh, all that will come later, right? all, that, all that will follow. Uh, but I think that's that's something that's uh, really, really important. It's funny. I, I love that because one of the things I've noticed the whole time we're talking, anybody who's um, kind of watching this video on YouTube or, or um, if you're listening, you can't see it, but when you're watching, you can behind you is all of these design things you know you, like everything is kind of designed and i kept kept looking at stuff like a plant in your chair and <laughs> i don't know what that is behind you on the desk something made out of wood like yeah. um your guitar in the background you clearly have a love for design um and and the fact that you oversee product and design just kind of mm -hmm. makes sense as well so you're clearly in a niche that you love sean kim president and chief product officer for kajabi thanks very much for sharing with us on the second grand podcast yeah thank you for having me Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.